so welcome back to the Coffee Convos podcast with Lexi. Today's video is going to be me talking about something that I've really been wanting to talk about with you guys um, on here. Um, we're going to talk about my five-year plan and finding my passion all at the same time. So I'm excited to jump into this. The reason why I decided to make to do this podcast episode was because recently, as of today, I'm still waiting for one more grade to completely be posted, but as of right this moment, I am one semester away from graduation in regards to my bachelor's degree. I never in a million years expected to be in this position. When I ended the entrep, which is community college where I live, I thought I would never go back to school again. And then the pandemic hit, and I had tons of time on my hands. And I'm like, I want to do something. And I was like, and I wanted to get a better paying job to take care of my son. And that's how I ended up back at school at SUNY Empire. And I'm finished, and I will have a Bachelor's of Art, Arts in Education, Speech Educational Studies. I chose educational studies because I didn't know which route I wanted to go in. If I wanted to do counseling, if I wanted to do teaching, if I wanted to do all those things. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And kind of landed into a spot of knowing that I want to go one or two ways in regards to my career. So I'm super, super excited to talk to you guys about this. So I've spent the last five years as an aide in the classroom. And although I love children and I love the classroom environment, I do not want to be in charge of the classroom. That is something I've learned through this process. I have taken a lot of educational educational studies classes, a lot of curriculum classes, a lot of family and child study classes. Like those are kind of like the classes that I've been taking along with like random like electives in there that I have to take like human biology I had to take human biology this semester I am proud to say that I got a C minus I was terrified of the class literally terrified and I got a C minus so I feel amazing and I got two A's and it wasn't until I started I actually took a course this semester in regards to looking at other careers that I soon realized the two avenues that are of the most interest to me in the future. Um, it was only a two-credit class, but it was probably one of my favorite classes to take, which was, which was a, like I said, careers class. And it's kind of how I stumbled across my passion, um, kind of, in this arena. So I have always wanted to... Be the person that I wish would have been able to help me. Um, and this is not me saying that, like, I want to give people handouts because that's not what I mean. What I mean is, is I wish there was somebody who had been in my shoes when I went to, when I started this process of going back to college. Or that there was more resources in my community besides, like, getting the state benefits that I didn't qualify for because my parents were generous enough to 
allow me and my son to stay with him, stay with them. Like, I couldn't get WIC. I can't get SNAP. Like, there's so many things. And not to say that that's a bad thing. Like, I understand there's income requirement. And I'm not saying that, like, fraud is the answer. But I'm just saying that, like, when it came to the emotional support aspect, I have never felt emotionally supported. Supported. Everyone around me, including my own family members, question every decision I make in regards to my child. They are very opinionated. They feel very strongly that I'm doing things wrong with a lot of things. There's a lot of tension there. And a big part of that is because I got pregnant out of wedlock. I don't think my parents ever fully forgave me for doing so. Um, we're just being honest. This is not a dig it them. This is just the truth. And, you know, I've always kind of, I've always struggled with my relationship with them because they, I am spiritual. I, I do believe in God, but I'm not super religious. Like, they want me to be. That's not me. And I think because that's not me, that's a part of the reason why I have those tensions there. Like, I pray. I'm spiritual, but I'm not, like, and I believe in God. I just, I'm not somebody who goes to church regularly. I I don't, and I know that some people feel strongly that, like, you should go to church regularly. I'm not one of those people because I just believe that, like, my relationship with God is personal and I don't, I just, I don't really like churches. I don't, I, I've never really liked going to a physical building to pray and worship. Like I, like I go, but I don't go like enough to like, it's just not something that I truly wholeheartedly like do. And I think that because I'm not that, they struggle with me. And I also feel like because the career path I've chosen and now I'm going to be sharing that information soon like because of the career path I've chosen because of the career that I want to have because of where avenue I've chosen and my sister has chosen a very lucrative law degree and she's allowed to have that like I feel like they just see me as like somebody who's never gonna make enough money to be on her own and that's like a big part of the issue as well with them um Whatever they feel, they feel, and I'm not going to sit here and argue with them um, about it. Um, so that's kind of, like, leads me to kind of, like, my like career goals and, like, where I'm headed and all these things. So when I was going through my careers, like, two things, like, really stuck out to me in regards to, like, this. So, like, yes, I, like, wanted to be the person when it came to, like, single moms, but I'm also, like, going to be honest I struggle with adults. Um, I've always had, I feel like I belong, I, I, I really want to work with children. Like, that's, like, really where my heart is. So it's kind of led me to this path of finding my passion in regards to my career. And I've kind of landed in two spots and two master programs that I'm applying for. Um, the first is literacy specialist, and the second is actually more of the counseling arena, I have not fully decided, I don't, it's not going to just be school counseling. The reason being is that I really believe in, like, therapy. I believe therapy helps. I believe therapy is a really good tool to have. Um, I'm not going to get preachy about therapy because that's not, 
but I also feel that therapy should be more um, cost-effective and more accessible to those of us that need it and that worry about the price. Because even in even in my case with insurance, because I have the state insurance in my state, only certain places take it. And it's frustrating. So that's how I ended up with BetterHelp, which I talked about last episode, which is a great tool. And their therapy is extremely affordable for an average person, which is part of the reason why I chose them. Um, so I want to, I'm really looking at like youth counseling and being in that arena as well. Um, I truly, truly, truly think that that is the best place for me to be and the best tools that I have in place to help the future. Um, I also feel strongly that had somebody stepped in for me earlier in my teens, that was besides given the Bible, I would be in a different situation. And that's not to say that, like, my son wouldn't be here, but I think when it came to my mental health, I wouldn't have stopped as much as if somebody didn't just hand me a Bible and say, pray and heal you go. Like, there would have been, like, some real conversations about what was going on with my mental health um, instead of making me feel like something was wrong with me and having me struggle to get to a place of being okay again. Um... And definitely would have had different relationships and there would have been, I would have chosen my friends better. I would have been in a different situation. Um, And I just feel really strongly about that. And I wish somebody in my teens would have sat me down and been like, something's not okay with you. Like, not even say like something's not okay with you, but like, are you okay? Like, I didn't have the emotional maturity to realize something was wrong in high school, like with my anxiety and my eating habits, but I had that wherewithal in college, and I wish somebody would have just intervened before that. And I wish when I got into a relationship with somebody 10 years older than me, at that time I was 18, he was in his 20s, 26 to be exact, if somebody would have sat me down and be like, what are you doing? I wouldn't have stayed with somebody who, and this is not Rocky's father, wouldn't have stayed with somebody who was ten, who was ten years older than me. Ten, we'll just go with ten years older than me right now because I'm not trying to do math. But like ten years older than me, who was sleeping with my best friend, like maybe, and then I wouldn't have been strung along for five to six years after that, believing we were working things out. Had somebody intervened, had somebody just been like, you know what, let's sit down, let's talk, like. What is going on with you that, like, 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 what is going on with you emotionally? I met, and for me, I, I've kind of unpacked it in therapy, and I know where, like, the catalyst, like, was for, like, that relationship and how I entered it, and I don't fault him, and I don't fault, I don't fault him. I, there were plenty of things in that relationship that were not just, like, red flags for with him, but were, like, things that, like, 
I always say when I talk about this relationship that when you're 18 and you're young and in love, you will do just about anything. And that was me. I was I was willing to take breadcrumbs um, instead of deal with that. And I just really feel like there needs to be more resources for children and families and everything that doesn't involve necessarily a school. Like, I've noticed, especially spending a lot of time in education, I feel like the constant solution is more funding for schools, and I don't feel like more funding for schools, like, this is not me saying that, like, teachers don't need a raise, or aides don't need a raise, or school doesn't need funding. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, when it comes to the mental health arena, especially, like, teachers are not mental health professionals. Like, yes, school counselors are, yes, school psychologists are, but there's not enough people going into that arena. Like, it's just, like, why is always throwing money at a problem the solution? And I don't believe that that's the solution. And I don't feel that, like, and I don't necessarily feel like the school counselor is the answer because I know when I was pulled into the school counselor office when my dad was deployed and there was some concerns that I was potentially self-harming myself. Sorry, trigger warning. Um, even if I was, I wasn't about to tell her because I felt can't, I felt backed into a corner by adults. I felt like if there was concerns in that, like, my dad being deployed didn't necessarily mean I was hurting myself. Um, I, I, it, for me, that didn't work out well. Um, not to say that it won't work out for some well for someone else, but for me, that did not work out very well. I was angry at that point, and I was unreceptive to adults at that point, as well as friends. So when the adults interfered, I, I didn't. And I also, the incident of self-harm had happened at that point, at that point, three years ago from there. Like, it had already happened. It had already been dealt with. I mean, it may not have been dealt with to mental health professional standards by my family, but it was dealt with, and there was no other incident of self-harm. So the fact that something that had been mentioned in passing by my parent to a teacher that went to a counselor, even though the issue had been dealt with, for me, was not, I didn't want to hear it at that point. I didn't want to hear it because it had been dealt with. And for me, it was annoying. And then, like, I showed my arms and was like, here, I'm not doing, like, anything, like, I showed, like, literally, like, I rolled up my short sleeves as well. Like, I took my hoodie off, rolled up my, like, rolled up my sleeves and was like, there's no self-harm, like, going on. And maybe I got the vibe from the counselor that she was, like, I didn't really like my school counselor at that point because she was the school counselor that also told me that my dreams of being a music teacher was dumb. So I really wasn't trying to talk to her. So, 
I got an opinion. So I just feel like if somebody had been more, maybe in a different way, would have intervened, that maybe I would have been a little bit more forthcoming about my feelings because, like, when she pulled me in there, like, I would have started the conversation with, like, how are you doing with your dad being deployed? Like, that's how I would have started that conversation. I wouldn't have gone straight to, so are you self-harming again? Like, that's not how I would have approached it or anything like that, but that's not how that happened. Um, so yeah, so basically like my own experiences as of what made me want to go into the youth arena in the form of counseling, um, in the form of helping children, help, I really, really want, this is going to sound crazy, like I really want to help teenagers, I feel like teenagers, I really want to get into the teenage arena. Um, I feel that's a really vulnerable time, and I feel like that's a time that, like, you could really, like, be having conversations, and I just, so I have, so ironically, by going back to school for my bachelor's with this idea of what I want has made me found a new found passion and a newfound arena that I really find myself wanting to be in. I really, really want to be in like helping families, helping teens, like that's the arena I want to be in. And I don't know what that looks like for my masters, to be honest with you. Like I'm not even sure I'm really interested in like doing literacy specialists as much as I am saying it to like those around me. But I think it's I think it's a big part of the reason as to why. Like I'm gonna go back a little bit on like family approval. I have been searching for my parents' approval since I was a teenager. I just want them to approve of one decision that I make for myself. And that's never going to be reality because they don't. Um, They approve of everything my sister does and all of those things. And that's kind of like another thing that I want to address like in finding my passion A big part of the reason I've been wanting to find my passion is because I have kind of felt like I have been floundering for a while, and I've always felt like there was a double standard in my house, and I think that's why it took me so long to go get my bachelor's, is because I felt like there was a double standard. Like, my sister has always had support, and I've always had, like, I don't like this decision, why are you doing, like, those sorts of things which therapy has been really good with diving into that and really dealing with it. But um, I'm really, really proud of myself for finishing this degree. This degree, this time, I didn't do for anybody else but me. Um, I wanted this more than anything. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, It was a weird time. It's been a weird time for me doing it in a pandemic. Um, I've done it fully online. I've done it as a single parent. Um, I'm super proud of myself for finishing it. And in doing so, I have found my passion and where I'm headed in life. And that's been really cool. That's not something I expected to happen. I just kind of always assumed my my childhood dream of being a teacher is where I was supposed to be. But, you know, spending these five years as an aide while finishing school 
while being a parent has just made me realize that that's not the arena I want to be in. The arena I want to be in is in the arena of helping families and children. Um, And I just want to clarify before anyone else. For me, that does not mean I'm headed into social work or anything like that. Um, Because, whew, that's, you know what, there's a topic I get into that, but I'm not going to get into it. Um, I am working on a podcast episode about a documentary that I recently watched in regards to social work and social service and child services um, that I'm really interested in doing. Um, but we'll talk about that later. So yeah, so I just, I've really realized like what I want to do in life. And it's weird because I'm like sitting here at 31, like, oh my gosh. So in doing so, and so in doing that work, um, if you know me, I don't do anything past a year. I don't make any plans. I actually don't even really make plans for a, like I make, I set goals for a year, but I don't really make plans. This is the first year I made a vision board and like things are like actually checking off for me in a weird way. So I was given and held an assignment. And part of that was the trigger conversation with my therapist about finding my passion and where I belong in things. Um, which was really, really weird conversation to have with a third party that doesn't know me very well. It was a good conversation to have. Um, she had me sit down and she had me write out my five-year plan and I don't like again I don't I don't do anything past like a year so obviously I wrote on here graduate with my bachelor's degree because I felt like that was the best stepping stone um the second plan the second thing on here part of my five-year plan is to graduate with a master's I didn't put, like, any specific degree down, even though I know, like, even though I know what I'm getting my bachelor's in, I didn't put any specific degree down for my master's degree, because I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like moving forward. The third thing is my own house. I have always wanted my own home. I have always wanted those things, and it has felt impossible, because... Maybe because those around me have told me it's it's impossible, but it's something that I've really, really wanted. So I put down on here five minutes in five years, I'm sorry, to buy my own home. That's part of my five-year plan. Um, what that looks like, I don't know, but it's on paper. And the other one, the other two have nothing to do with those two things that I mentioned. Something that I really want to do is monetize this podcast. And I want it to grow, and I want it to, and I want it to grow. The reason I really love this podcast and I'm so passionate about it is because I want to bring the conversations around the things I want to talk about and the things that, like, you know, we'll be honest, the issues in education, the issues with like teens and mental like I want to talk about these things because I don't feel like we talk about it enough and I feel like as somebody who spent time in the classroom on a regular basis we don't ask the people enough that are doing these jobs what need what they what needs to be fixed you know to be honest with you the department of education we'll just use this as an example she has a PhD in education when's the last time she taught 
don't even know if the new actually you know what? i don't even know if the new one has a um degree in education hold on we're gonna look that up since my phone's right here Oh, I forgot the guy's name. I forgot her name was Betsy DeVos. I'm sorry. Okay, so she spends some time in the classroom for 15 years, okay? I'm sorry. She, she, she spends some time in Michigan public schools. Let me clarify that. She, for 15 years. I'm not going to sit here and try to, de try to determine if she knew, like, what she did. I know it says that she served as an in-school mentor. Okay, you know what? You were in school for 15 years. Congratulations. You were in school for 15 years. But let's be honest. We're not having these conversations with teachers as to what we feel curriculum needs to be. Now, hold on. Pump the brakes before conservatives come for you. I am not saying we should teach gender identity in schools. I am just, like, especially in elementary school, okay? In elementary, I have a hard pass on that, okay? Hard pass, okay? Okay. Not, but I'm also not saying that, it, that, that, that we should be intolerant, okay? Okay, I, I got the disclaimers out the way, okay? But curriculum issues. Like, forget that for the curriculum issues with math. Like, has anyone spent time in a classroom with the way we're teaching math now? No. Like, conversations like that. The reading, the right, like, who, like, all these things, the testing, the, all the things, the funding alone, like, why are we as educators buying our own supplies? Like, there are so many conversations that need to be had. The other thing, we, we, we talk so much about mental health and education lately, and mental health has been a great thing to be discussing, but we're not discussing the resources needed. All of these things, like there are so many conversations that need to be had. And I really want this podcast to become a safe place to have those conversations in regards to everything. And I feel like all of it needs to be talked about, even the things that like conservatives like myself are not fully on board with. I feel like there needs to be like, and this is me not talking about like gender or anything like that, but, like, there's so many things that, like, need to be discussed, and I feel like it all needs to be talked about, and I feel like we need to be asking the people, the right people that spend every single day in that arena, because they are the ones with the answer. Um, there is a lot of issues when it comes to, like, colleges that need to be addressed. Like, there's a lot of conversations in regards to like education, family, start family and child and all of these things, like there's so much that needs to be had. And I just want to have more of those conversations. And that's why I started this podcast is to talk about the things that I'm passionate about and talk about the things that I want to talk about, even if it's things that necessarily I'm not 100% comfortable with. I want to have these conversations. So that is why I put monetized i would love to make this a stream of income as a single parent i'm always looking for ideas when it comes to adding a stream of income and i would love for my passion project that is this to start creating that revenue but even if it doesn't tomorrow 
I'm still going to be here and I'm still going to show up once a week and we're going to have conversations. And, you know, the next conversation that I have planned is, I'm going to be honest, it's not a fun one for me. It's really, really not. It's a hard conversation for me. It's going to make me emotional. It's going to be a conversation I don't want to sit in too long, but I'm going to have it because I feel like there's not enough accountability for what transpired for me to leave it alone. It's just not okay. And the next one is in regards to a stream of income. I know MLMs are a rough spot for people, but I want to be superstar director of SMC. Like, that's my goal. Like, that is my goal. But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed, like, listening to my five-year plan and listening to me talk about my passion. And I really hope it's pulling through. Um, be on a lookout for my next one after this. Um, I'm just going to let you guys know, trigger warning kind of thing. Um, we're going to be discussing the Afghanistan with the girl. So if that's not something that you can keep your political opinion to yourself or you want to attack the military because I'm going to be talking about it from the view of a military daughter, then I would advise you not to att- to listen to that episode. Just not going to do it. Oh, and before we go here, I wanted to take a minute to have a little bit of a pop culture moment. Because this is something that I've been thinking about adding to my podcast. Can we discuss Raquel Levis? Rachel Levis getting on a podcast and literally blaming everyone for being mad at her as a setup for the show. Girl, have you lost your mind? You were not, that show was not getting canceled. Tom and Ariana were together for a decade. What do you mean longevity? Like, do do you hear yourself? You didn't think the relationship had longevity. That girl pisses me off. And the reason I want to address this is because Ariana was on Sheena's podcast. And I'm going to be honest with you. There was a moment where I was like, I, I was a little frustrated with Ariana because I assumed that a headline was correct. That because there was a group photo, like she said, of all of them together that she's filming with Tom. I realized that's not the case, <laughs> um, but it was just like a moment of like, oh, I knew she was going to end up doing it because of the talks, but I don't blame her. I don't blame her for any of this because Tom Sandoval is the issue. And I love what Ariana, like Ariana, what she said on there, like really hits home. It is sad. For me, it is sad because when I watched this full season, I really, really believe that even though Rachel is diminishing the friendship that she had, because, listen, I know she hung out with Ariana outside of casting, outside of the show. I realized that this is sad. Like, Ariana believed that was her friend. And... She just slurped right over it and 
pretended her relationship with Ariana meant something, and that was really sad to me. And what was also really sad to me is I got the vibe, which Sheena and Ariana mentioned, that she was still protecting Tom, and I really believe that that's the case. Like, I feel like she is downplaying it, A, because she doesn't fully understand what she did, and B, because she's still protecting Tom. And at the end of the day, she has made her loyalty to Tom very clear. Like, even in that, like, ending, even the ending of the reunion, she did, like, film an extra part. We all know this. Um, But even though she said some of the truth, she still, to me, appears to be protecting Tom. I'm glad she's getting the help that she needs. But I hope that she gets to a place where she understands the gravity of what she did to somebody that she cares about. And I think for her, it's easier to diminish the friendship than deal with the emotion behind it. And I'm glad that she's stepping away from the show. To be honest with you, I wanted her to come back and I want her to have a conversation with Sheena because I feel Sheena is owed an apology for the restraining order. But at the same time, I feel that if Rachel really needs the mental health support that she needs, that coming back to reality TV is not the place for her. So there's kind of two more things that I want to address in regards to Vanderpump because they've been on my mind with Raquel being, Rachel being on the podcast and Ariana and Sheena's podcast. They're kind of like three things that I want to address. The next thing I want to address is, is there's been a lot of speculation about why Ariana still lives in the house with Tom. And as fans, I understand but I don't feel like we are sh- we, we should be forced access to that. I think we need to address the fact that we don't know the full financial picture that Ariana's in. She mentioned that on there that like people think she's a millionaire. I never thought she had money like tons of money floating around. Like I knew she, like I know she's better off than most, but I don't but I don't think she's got a ton of money lying around. And in fairness to her Depending on how, listen, I'm just going to say this as somebody who's working in houses. Depending on how much her mortgage is, financially, it might not be the best situation to be in. I don't think that they were roommates and all these things, like, and that, that that's why they're staying together. Like, I don't view it like that. I view it as somebody who's not going to wreck her financial stability Because somebody made a bad decision. And she's right when she brings up that it's always the woman that has to leave. It's always the woman that's harsher that gets the brunt end of it. And I don't think that's fair. Because Tom chose to do what he did. Tom chose to sleep with her best friend. Whether Tom is remorseful or not, I really don't care at this point. Because to be honest with you, the crying that he did on the show to Tom to Tom Schwartz, the crime that he did to Lisa was for me 
fake. I don't know him personally. I know none of these personal pe- per- people personally. I'm just giving my opinion. You can take it or leave it, whatever you want to do with it. Um, so until he, and the reason why I say it's fake is because now he's touring. He's mocking Schwartz in songs. He's mocking, like, y- you know, so for me, he doesn't appear to be remorseful. But again, I don't know him. And I'm not going to sit here and say I know him to do it. Um, so that's just my personal take from it. Um, and I'm probably going to have more than one per thing I'm going to address because I'm going to address some Tom after that. The other thing I want to address is, you know, I, some of Ariana's comments have been taken to an extreme and I get where she's coming from full-heartedly because like you know I get what she's saying like those that know your relationship and those that don't know your relationship like I get it when like they're asked questions and you're just like they're not they're your friends but they're not that close to the relationship exactly like I full-heartedly get it because like I don't want people in my relationship like unless they're super close so obviously like I knew what she meant but people took it as she's not friends with Katie and Lala that's not true she addressed that on Tina's podcast so the other thing I wanted to address was, well, actually going back to Tom because I didn't want to address Tom. So for me, it, it just doesn't feel genuine for Tom. And if Tom was truly, truly sorry, there would have been more of conversation. There would have been remorse with the person that he hurt in this equation. And that was Ariana. And I'm real, and I, I know Ariana said yesterday that, on Sheena's podcast, that she thinks that there's going to be a lot of blaming her for the situation. I'm hoping and diminishing and all these things. I'm really hoping that Tom will come back and we'll have a conversation and will just, I, I would love to see him not necessarily change, but just address the hurt that he's caused Ariana. That's what I would like for him to do and, like, genuinely mean it. Now, is that the case? No, it's not the case. Um, it's not going to happen. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's kind of the second thing. I'm actually going to end up, like, we're kind of getting the episode over there too and I'm gonna end up like talking about a couple more things um the other thing I want to talk about is Tom Schwartz and this is from coming from somebody who was really really angry at Tom when the finale aired I I was really frustrated with him I was frustrated with him at the reunion I was frustrated with him at the reunion like full-heartedly each part of the reunion I was really mad at this guy I was really irritated with him because, you know, Katie was right in the finale. Ariana and Tom Schwartz have always been close. Like, that's not a secret. And it wasn't actually until listening to Jax and Brittany's podcast where they talked about, you know, that Tom Schwartz has got a lot going on. He's taking care of a lot of people. And that really made me see it from a different light 
he is taking care of more people than just Cassie in this equation. And although I would love for him and Ariana to remain friends, and I get that it wasn't his place to say anything, but as somebody who's been in the exact situation Ariana has been in, minus living together and having one of my closest friends who was also this person's boyfriend at the time know what was going on and I don't and didn't didn't tell me. Like I get his job isn't to tell me. I get I get his job wasn't to tell Ariana. But I just felt like the reality of the situation is, is he, what he should have done was given Tom a, ted, a Tom a deadline and been like, hey, listen, if you don't tell me by X, Y, Z, I'm going to. Um, but the reality of the situation is, is that he is emotionally, emotionally trying to stay afloat with so much going on in his own life, a divorce with Katie and so much and so forth and taking care of his family that I could understand now knowing what knowing what we've heard from Jackson and Brittany why he didn't necessarily say anything so I no longer have an issue with Tom James because at the end of the day the person that needs to take accountability for what happened is Tom Sandoval not Tom Schwartz and I feel like there's been a little bit of a misplaced anger towards Tom Schwartz now, with that being said, I would absolutely love for him and Ariana to have a conversation on camera. I don't know if that's going to happen this season because I know she has said that she's going, not anyone in Tom's life she's not going to really be as close with, um, and that is her prerogative to do so. Um, I really feel like that would be a really great conversation to see play out because I would really, really like to know how he feels now versus what he felt last season because obviously there has been like you know the mocking of him by Tom Sandoval and all these things and allegedly he has taken a step back away from Tom Sandoval so I would love to hear what he says now that would be a conversation I would love to see I don't know if that's going to happen this season and kind of last thing I want to talk about in regards to Vanderpump and this is going to end up being a longer episode because I want to talk about I've added this segment and now I want to keep going to Sister Lives next. Um, but I want to talk about um, kind of, you know, there has been a lot of speculation. And people that have rumored that Brock has slept with Rachel. And I feel that... Until he has been questioned by his wife. So I don't take the, I have never been one when it comes to reality shows or tabloids to take a look at somebody who used to be a friend or was a close friend of so-and-so that this happened. Because it has been proven time and time and again that people will do anything for a, for a, for a headline. So, I don't believe it. As far as I'm concerned, Brock is genuine. Uh, appears to be genuine, I should say. 
um, and appears to really love Sheena and is a great dad. So I am not going to fault him for anything. Yes, I know he's made mistakes in the past in regards to other things, in regards to other children. But that is not our place to be. Um, so I just wanted to do that little tangent because I feel like there's a lot of, I watch a lot of Sheena's YouTube and I feel like there's a lot of comments about Brock and Rachel and I just don't feel it's warranted or necessary. Um, because Sheena has addressed it multiple times and so has Brock so I feel like everyone should just like let, let it let it rest, let it let it be and just deal with it. Um, kind of. So I'm not going to continue. So now on the next part of the pop culture aspect. This podcast has gotten a little bit longer, so I apologize if this is not something you're interested in, but I really, really want to start doing like a pod, like a pop culture thing to end. So if that's something you're interested in, let me know, or like a hot topic of the day kind of thing, because I feel like that would be a really cool way to end. So we're not just ending on like the deep conversations that we're having with Sheena and CJ. Um, Sister Wives, episode one. Class returned. And I am really shocked at, like, the first episode because it, like, didn't really give me anything new. Um, Robin and Mary's conversation about Mary's marriage, the, even last season, were, like, weird to me. But they're even more weird now because, like, He's even said in, like, the tell-all that he doesn't view Mary as a wife. So the fact that Robin would be having this conversation with Mary as if she doesn't know what's going on, as if she doesn't know what happened with Mary and her, and, like, what happened with Christine when that was all talked about in the tell-all is amazing to me. Um, I really feel bad for Mary, and I, I really do. Like, she is really, like, she really wants this relationship with Cody, and Cody just doesn't want the relationship. And it's just really sad to me. And, you know, I just, I hope that now that she's allegedly left, because we don't know that she's alleged, it's all alleged at this point, that if she does, if she has left, I hope she finds peace with this because I know that she was holding on for dear life for that relationship. And I really hope that there's like some clarity and some understanding for her and that it's not her fault. And, you know, yes, she did get catfished and yes, she did have an intimate relationship. But obviously, if she did an emotional affair, there was a problem. And for it to be held over her head like it has been, irritates me, but Cody is Cody, um, and you know, I used to be, and you know what's crazy, is in the beginning seasons, I did like Cody, I did like him, like, I didn't see a lot of what we're seeing now, and it's really frustrating, and I want to address his relationship with his boys, and we need to have a conversation, you are the parent your children may be adults, but you are the parent. It is not your adult children's job to fix the relationship. 
Like, yes, they play a role, and yes, we need to help fix it, but it is not their job to go to you. It is your job as the parent to go to your adult children, not them. And I said this in my TikTok, and I'll say it again. If I was Janelle and I had to choose between my husband and my children, it would be my children every single time without a blink of an eye. Like, Cody, you're going to make them have a conversation with you so they're not going to come because they want you to come to you. They want you, they want you to come to them. If you put Janelle in the middle, you're going to lose. So, no, you don't get to whine about it now that she's not coming. It's just not. It's just not reality. And I am really interested to see more of Christine and Cody's conversation. Um, Cody acts like, my biggest issue with Cody is that he acts like he didn't know where the consequences came from with Christine. And he acts like he doesn't know, like, what happened. And it's very clear that Christine was struggling in the relationship since like the one season where they went where they brought their therapist on an anniversary like thing it's, it's very clear so I don't know what you want me to tell you here but she left she left like she left she's done she's over it goodbye like you guys have to co-parent and I understand co-parenting is not easy as somebody who's doing it, but you need to do it. And if you want a relationship with your children, start putting forth the effort to see not just truly, but your adult children as well. Like, it's not just you. I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing that there is an abundance of adult children who... Choose to live so far away from you, Cody, who choose not to be near you, who choose not to be on the show because of their morals. I, I, I just find that hard to believe. And the fact that you blame the mothers for your relationship with your children, like Christine said in this episode, is your fault for your relationship with your adult children, not anyone else's. So fix it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy my pop culture segments. Um, I do have some more ideas for the next episode, um, some pop culture stuff that I want to talk about. Um, so yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I will see you all in next week's episode, where we will have a where we will talk about the Afghanistan with the girl and some more pop culture. It's a weird combo, but we're going with it. <laughs>